0: During this season of Advent, our themes for each Sunday follow the themes of the candles that we light. Today we lit the candle of hope. Next week will be the candle. Oh, I'm gonna get it wrong. It's hope, peace, joy, and love. It's hope, peace, joy. No,pe love, joy, and peace. Anyway, those four things. Today is hope. <laughs> Goodness gracious, I was better this morning. Before I ever stood up here, it was all awesome in my head. And as uh, your church has this neat banner um, that we got to begin enjoying last year, but it's a banner that grows each Sunday in steps. It starts with this long banner and gets shorter as we progress towards uh, Christmas Day. And I, I, I think it's a wonderful also marking of time, just as we light the candles marking of time during this season of Advent together. As we focus on The theme of hope today, we turn to Isaiah, one of the prophets who has many things to say of the coming Christ. We turn to chapter 40, beginning at verse 28. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exa- exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Advent. It is this awkward season in the church, and I don't think it's awkward in and of itself. I think it's awkward because everywhere else we've been doing Christmas since, I don't know, Labor Day? When did stuff start showing up in the stores? So we start seeing all of these decorations, whether it's the Santa side of Christmas or the Jesus side of Christmas. We've been looking at nativity sets and frosties sitting on the shelves waiting for us to put up. Some people were even decorating their yards before Thanksgiving. It's okay. I'm saying that for myself it's okay. So we're getting ready for, an as- an aspe- in a way, in the aspect of Christmas, for a long time. But we're getting ready for the what? The babe in the manger. As much as the presence under the tree, I suppose. But part of Advent is the why. It's not why we put the Christmas tree in this place in the house. That has its own thing but the why of it all. Why Jesus? Why Christmas? And we look out into a world, and we see that it's broken. And Jesus is God's response to the brokenness of the world. And sometimes we need to remember that. We want to skip straight to Jesus in the manger at the end of the year, and in the spring we want to skip straight to the empty tomb without considering the cross in between. Sometimes it's tough to look at the harder aspects, the reasons behind our faith, and the reasons behind the celebrations, the holy days of our faith. So Advent is a season of getting ready for the why of Christmas, of preparing not just our homes and our spaces, getting our playlists just right, but preparing our hearts and our minds by considering the why of Jesus all over again. Last week, Pastor Minu reminding us that we in the church celebrate on a different calendar cycle. Today is New Year's in some regards, in the church calendar cycle. But more than just the seasons themselves, they flow so perfectly from one into the other and back again. Advent with the return of Jesus to the world in final victory, or into our hearts and lives again. Advent began as, a, as an anticipation of the second coming. But over the centuries, or if not the millennia, it's developed into this. It's not just the birth of Christ. It's not just the second coming of Christ, but it's also his coming into our lives each and every day. But Advent as the birth of Christ and the second coming of Christ. Christmas as the birth of Jesus into the world epiphany the season that follows the the manifestation of jesus to the world the world gets to see jesus the introduction takes place a lent as lent is the journey to the cross for the world leading to easter the resurrection of jesus in the world followed by the ascension the enthronement of jesus over the world at god's right hand leading to pentecost Jesus sending this holy spirit into the world to lead God's people to be the church for the world which leads to the season of kingdom tide or otherwise known as ordinary time I don't nothing ordinary about Jesus I like kingdom tide is where I, I, I tend to go proclaiming the good news of Jesus to the world, which brings us right back around again to the season of Advent. That's how that calendar fits in place. There is a very intentional purpose behind it. It's more than just getting through different cycles of Scripture over a three-year period, which is what that also does. But it's telling God's redemptive story over and over and over again, not in this cycle, but in this spiral through time and through space. Moving always, moving forward, but also touching on these same thoughts, these same ideas, these same teachings of ultimately, why Jesus. Why Jesus? The word "advent" itself is um, defined in the dictionary as the arrival of a notable person or event. That's what that word outside of church world would be used for the advent of some notable person, the coming of some notable person or event. And in the church, it's both of those things. Jesus is the person, but he's also the event himself. Not only does he bring salvation, he is salvation. Not only does he bring peace, but he is peace. Not only does he bring joy, but he is joy. Not only does he bring love, but he is love. Not only does he bring hope, but he is hope. He is the person In the event and today's scripture reminds us of the type of hope that jesus brings i love how isaiah starts it have you not known haven't you heard the lord is an everlasting god creator of the ends of the earth he doesn't get tired his understanding is far beyond ours he gives us strength when we are weak. Even used, they eventually tire out. Some people, toddlers may not think so, but they do eventually. We do know that. And the young fall exhausted but, those, exhausted, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. Mount up with wings like eagles. Run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. And the hope is even greater than can be captured in just a few verses of Scripture. It's revealed and rolled out in the life of Christ as we see him live it, teach it, and share it with others. One of the ways in the church that we get ready for Advent, the tools that we use to help us explore the season, is indeed the Advent wreath. The Advent wreath began in 1839 in a shelter for orphans and neglected children as a way to help them count down, like, much like we do in our homes. Um, our girls aren't going to be home for a long time, but we still do these. We like them. Each night of Advent, uh, the pastor, Johann Heinrich Wickern, I have no idea if I said that right or not, but he'd get the kids to come around and to light a candle. And they did this, as I said, every day. And he'd tell them a story, and they'd pray. And each night, they would get excited, adding another candle pushing away the darkness. Over the years, that tradition of nightly candles became the church's tradition of weekly candles, still a reminder of the light of Christ pushing away the darkness of the world. I reference this in my article to the scroll, but we... But it's not anything new. We know we live in a world that is filled with hardship and pain. We're currently aware of, well, the news is aware of a couple different wars, but our world is filled with so many more conflicts, armed conflicts. There are currently 45 armed conflicts in the Middle East and North America. This is all according to the Geneva Academy of International Humanitarian Law and Human Rights um, who observe these things. There are more than 35 in the rest of the African continent, 21 in Asia, seven in Europe, six armed conflicts in Latin America. Our news has time for a couple. I think our hearts don't have time for all of these to consider deeply. But it's just a reminder that the world needs the hope, peace, joy, and love that Christ brings. And more than they need, and as much as they need those things, they need us to be the bearers of those things to the world. We light the candles inside the church to remind us so that when we leave the church, we take that with us so that in a world that is filled with despair, we bring hope. In a world that is filled with hostility, We bring peace. In a world that is filled with sorrow and sadness, at the brokenness all around us, we bring joy. In a world that too often sees hatred at work, we bring love. That's who we're meant to be. That's what this season is meant to help us to do reminding us of the why Jesus came and continues to enter into our lives and will indeed return one day. And also to instruct us, and enable us to equip us to be those who bear that light out into a, to the world that knows too much darkness, that knows too much despair, The devotional that we have encouraged you all to use this season, bless the Advent we actually have by uh, Kate Bowler, and she has other folks working with her, for the first Sunday, for the first day of Advent for today, she says this about Advent hope. Advent is a time marked by waiting. We wait for God to make all things right, for justice to be meted out, for world leaders to make the right decisions, for wrongs to be righted, for our communities to be safe spaces for the vulnerable, for our earth to heal. We wait for our lives to get easier, for us to have the financial security we need, for our relationships to be restored, for our bodies to ache less. We wait for our parents to understand us and our families to feel whole. We wait for our kids and grandkids to be healed or come back home. We wait for the grief to end. But the waiting of Advent is one marked by hope. We wait with expectancy, with anticipation for the inbreaking of God to make all things new. And yet hope can feel like a drug that must be carefully administered. Too much, and we're setting ourselves up for disappointment or disillusionment. Too, littled, too little, and we're frightened with despair. As we sit amidst our shattered dreams of what was not possible or what came undone, of what we have lost or what was never healed, it's difficult to know what hope is supposed to look like now. What are we hoping for exactly? How do we find real hope in the midst of all of our disappointment? How do we stay awake to the kind of possibility Advent asks of us. Especially when we no longer have the privilege of childish dreams of sugar plums and gumdrops. We have been awakened to the reality of pain and suffering. We can no longer crave niceties or easy promises. We want the really real. We need true hope. Of course, there will come a day when we don't need to hope. Like the psalmist describes, a future will come where we will run and not grow weary, walk and not be faint. The long arc of God's love will redeem and remake the whole world and us within it. Hope, then, is the function of struggle. It is the realization of our limitations or our lack of agency or of the inability for us to save ourselves and the ones we love. This kind of hope is not a wish list that we send to Santa. Advent hope is gritty. It shirks all false optimism. It is hope as protest. Hope in the face of impossibilities. And she concludes by saying, as writer Barbara Brown Taylor said, whether it is a seed in the ground, a baby in the womb, or Jesus in the tomb, it all starts in the darkness. It all starts in the darkness. Advent begins without light. There's no light on this wreath until we light the first one. It begins in darkness because the world has darkness within it. But the hope of Advent begins us on this path of light, pushing back despair. And as Bowler says, it's not this false optimism. The glass is always, it's not just always half full. It's just always, it's always on the way to being full again. When we know that that's not reality. In our lives of faith, we talk about this type of hope as a sure and certain hope that is wrapped up in a person. That's why I say it's Jesus' the person and the event. He is the one who brings our hope, but he is also hope himself. As we enter into this season of Advent, into this season of preparation, of getting ready, we are people who are meant to be bearers of the light of Christ. And it sounds like a big task because it is. But just like the season of Advent, we build one upon the other. So as we leave, or as we prepare to leave later today, I'm about to do the benediction, and I don't know why. But as we consider where we go from here today, think of ourselves as bearers of hope, pushing back against despair. You don't have to do all of them. Hope, peace, joy, and love. You're welcome to. But just focus on the first. Because it just starts with one candle. One candle on the wreath that will guide us through the season of Advent as as the lights grow and as they grow in number until we light the light of Christ in the center on, on the evening Christmas Eve services. The full light of Christ is present in the world. The world just doesn't know it yet. It's our job to show them in word and in work and the things that we say and the things that we do. May we live lives of this sure and certain hope to push back the despair that's all around us. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we indeed live in a world... Filled with darkness. Help us to be your agents of hope. Carrying the light of Christ with us. That even when we feel moments of despair where things seem out of control, we acknowledge that they likely just are. But trust you in the midst of them. Trust you for now and trust you for the forever. And help us to be light bearers. Bearers of hope. into a world filled with despair. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.